0: <laughs> you, you read it right. <laughs> mm-hmm. A transformative yoga psychology. psychology. Yeah, yoga based psychology. A, a transformative yoga psychology mm-hmm. based on the diaries. Yeah. Okay. The capture is on. Ten seconds. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove and this is part three of our three-part series with Dr. Debashish Banerjee on the language of the gods, by which I mean of course Sanskrit. Dr. Banerjee is the academic dean at the University of Philosophical Research. He is also an adjunct faculty member at Pasadena City College and the California Institute of Integral Studies he is the author of several books, including Seven Quartets of Becoming, a transformative yoga psychology based on the diaries of Sri Aurobindo, and also Rabindranath Tagore in the 21st century, and the alternative nation of Abanindranath Tagore, who happens to be his great-grandfather. Welcome once again, Devashish. Thank you, Jeffrey. Pleasure to be with you. Likewise. Now let us turn our attention to some of the more esoteric concepts in uh, the Sanskrit tradition. I'd like to talk about the chakras and about uh, the tantric tradition, which I understand the tantric tradition may be among the the very oldest of the traditions in India. Yes, it's very possible. The Tantric
1: literature comes a little late. It comes around the 4th or 5th century. Mm -hmm. But Tantric practices may go back all the way to the Indus Valley. Mm -hmm. Uh, We find seals in the Indus Valley that show uh, yogis in uh, postures that are clearly related to Kundalini rising experiences. Mm -hmm. Postures in which they press up against the perineum. And uh, those postures are uh, indicated in raising the kundalini up the spine. Now, we better define um, kundalini. Sure. Is that a Sanskrit it's word? It's a Sanskrit word. Uh, it means that which is coiled up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it refers to what they call the serpent power. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the, the belief is that there is a kind of a potential energy mm-hmm. that is coiled up at the base of everybody's spine. There's also a cosmological significance. The idea that there is a power, a transcendental power that has become involved in the cosmos mm-hmm. and lies as a potential energy in it. As you know, potential energy is often depicted as a spring. Mm-hmm. A spring can uh, open up and release its mm-hmm. latent energy. So, in these ancient traditions, they saw this living power, sleeping power as, as, as a serpent. Mm-hmm. So at the base of the spine, there is a serpent that is asleep. And by doing certain kinds of exercises, the idea was that it would be made to wake up and travel up the spine and then rise up to a plane of superconscience above the head mm-hmm. where it would, uh, go into union
0: with the divine. Now, the interesting thing here is that the symbolism of the snake can be found in many cultures. Uh, yes. The, the symbol of the medical profession, the caducus, yes. is yes. two-coiled snakes. Correct. Ex- exactly.
1: And so, the, this idea of the two-coiled snakes and a, and a central... uh column uh, and the intertwined snakes meeting at the top is an image that is central to Tantra. And it describes the way in which the spinal uh, column uh, becomes the conduit for the traveling of this energy Mm -hmm. from the base of the skull to the spine to the top of the skull. And there are two other uh, energy channels around this central channel, mm-hmm. which uh, can uh, result in two other flows of energy that are like the intersecting circle mm-hmm. uh, serpents.
0: Now, now, tantra is yes. also a Sanskrit word.
1: Yes. Tantra is a Sanskrit word, and uh, it has several etymologies. Exactly what is its beginning, we really don't know. Mm-hmm. It can mean technology. It can mean... Um, a a certain kind of a method to transcend the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can mean uh, weaving, uh, you know, as in a process by which we form a certain new personality within us. Mm -hmm. So, um, there are all these kinds of connotations. It may go back to the Indus Valley where they were probably using these methods to generate energy inside the human system. Mm-hmm. Um, it also includes the notion of the chakras, as you mentioned. The chakras are nodes or centers of energy that mm-hmm. lie along the spine. And in the traditional system, there are supposed to be seven chakras. Um, in later yogic literature, tantric literature, they sometimes increase the number of chakras. Mm-hmm. But, um, in the, in the traditional mainstream literature, these chakras, um, are, are related to, in fact, the kind of three, uh, qualities that you mentioned, um, tamas, rajas, and sattva. In our previous interview, the it's, three gunas. The three gunas. Because they're connected to those three modalities of mm-hmm. consciousness material, vital, and, and mental. Mm hmm. So, a uh, purely physical level, we have the, the chakra at the base of the spine, mm-hmm. uh, below which the it's called the mula mm-hmm. and the serpent power lies uh, at that center. And then you have three uh, centers of uh, the life energy mm-hmm. that may be called rajasic in a way. Uh, one is at the sex center, uh, which controls uh, our sexual activity. Yes. Um, then higher than that is at the center of the of the navel, which mm-hmm. is which controls our will, yes. uh, the primordial will. Um, in China and Japan, they make a lot of use of that particular center. They call it the hara mm-hmm. because that's the center from which energy is uh, uh, gathered. It's very important in the martial arts. In the martial arts, right? Mm-hmm. Then there is a center at the heart, which relates to the emotions, mm-hmm. uh, and then. So, those three centers have to do with the life energies. Mm-hmm. And then you have three centers, one at the throat, which is about expression, uh, the power to express. Uh, one between the eyes, or which has to do with insight. Mm-hmm. The third eye, the eye third chakra. The third eye chakra, yeah. Yes. And one uh, above the head, mm-hmm. which is the center of super conscience. And the word chakra itself, yes. uh, what does that mean in Sanskrit? It means circle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It means circle. And so these are s- supposed to be uh, nodes mm-hmm. or circular, uh, sometimes called lotuses, mm-hmm. uh, that, that are uh, c- uh, closed, sc- the petals are closed. Mm-hmm. And uh, just as the kundalini is a serpent that is asleep, and wakes up as it goes up the spine, these lotuses uh, bloom or blossom, mm-hmm. they open up. And the hidden powers uh, within the chakra by which uh, activities of these different kinds are carried out yes. uh, become active and mm-hmm. we can uh, develop paranormal powers
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, at each of these levels i have heard the chakra system described mm-hmm. as sort of a an overview that would pretty much include all of western psychology from uh, freud to adler and jung and interesting yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably yes so all the different modes of consciousness seem to be uh, expressed modes there and related to different parts of the body and exactly i understand that in the chakra system the tantric or kundalini system of uh, various lineages, uh, that there are very, very detailed descriptions of how this energy travels up the body and what happens if it gets stuck or blocked in different locations. Yes. How to cure those different conditions. Yes. Almost as if the yogis viewed this like uh, the way we might look at the blood circulation and the lymph nodes. And, yes, yes, uh, it's the, a Physical anatomy. It's sort of like the anatomy of the subtle body. Right, absolutely.
1: And these channels or noddies as they're called, through which the prana flows, the life energy, mm-hmm. as well as the kundalini that that, that rises, yes. uh, they form the basis of all these uh, medical systems, alternative medical systems of the East, mm-hmm. like Ayurveda, uh, or even for that matter, Chinese acupuncture. Mm-hmm. They're drawing on the on the channels through which these uh, energies are going. Just like you said, it's like a subtle anatomy, an occult mm-hmm. anatomy, which is treated with as much uh, reality mm-hmm. as we give to the understanding of mm-hmm. the
0: circulatory system in, in Western medicine. Now, I'm guessing, but my uh, my thinking is that the chakra system may have been developed uh, through introspection and very possibly because, uh, I'm not sure, but the, in the ancient culture of India, it, as in some Western cultures as well, to, to cut open a cadaver and, and uh, examine the anatomy was sort of forbidden or, mm-hmm. or not a common practice. So introspection became the uh, tool of mm-hmm. uh, the scientists, of, in effect, of that era. Yes, in tr- through introspection and experiences
1: of various kinds by experimenting with mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. I think they came up with these systems. And uh oh, what's interesting is that uh, there are systems that relate to the mother goddess. Mm-hmm. So, e- we, even if we go back to the Indus Valley, uh, th- there was the worship of uh, little mother goddesses called matrikas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, a matrika is a much later word. It's a yeah. Sanskrit word that means little mother. Oh, I see. But we, we refer to little goddesses like that in Tantra. And in the idea is that the whole world, in Tantra, the idea is it's the body of the mother. Mm -hmm. So, even if we connect it to the Vedic tradition and talk about Maya as being the creatrix, Mm -hmm. um, we can see her in the Tantric tradition as a very empowering goddess, mother goddess, whose body is this cosmos. Mm -hmm. And she also is imminent in all the creatures of the cosmos as the Kundalini. So, she has... um, A personalized presence Mm -hmm. in each being Mm -hmm. as the coiled energy at the bottom of their spine. And she is the goddess who controls the activities inside each of the chakras. Mm -hmm. So some of the old Indus Valley seals will show seven goddesses like Matrikas that represent the goddess at each of these chakras mm-hmm. so that when the energy rises, they can direct them and by worshiping these, by visualizing. You talked about introspection. Yes. Uh, in the tantric and even in the Tibetan Buddhist traditions, which is very deeply based in tantra, uh, there are visualization exercises for seeing these goddesses in various parts of one's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more sophisticated the exercise, the greater the number of goddesses they have to see. And then these goddesses become active. Mm -hmm. And one becomes the witness of the activity of these goddesses uh, carrying
0: out their paranormal uh, exercises Mm -hmm. inside one's being. Well, I think it's very interesting to note that not only in the Indus Valley, but Mm pretty much throughout the known world the most ancient cultures all had uh, the worship of a mother goddess or a fertility right. goddess right right and right. and the worship of the goddess was often associated with the body yes uh, as opposed to the uh, sky gods that came right. later on who were more or less transcendental or right. outside right. the body very true,
1: and we find in, in the Hindu tradition by the time fourth, fifth century, these traditions are rising, mm-hmm. the, are becoming mainstream. I'd say, I'd say they were always there, but they become really powerful and mainstream around the fourth, fifth century. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a marriage between what you're calling the sky gods and the earth goddesses. Yes, and so we, we talked about Purusha and Prakriti. Yes, as uh, if we want to call it. Consciousness or the soul and nature,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so the, the the soul part becomes the province of of the of the male gods. You, you start seeing the Puranic gods like Vishnu, uh, Shiva, uh, Ganesha, etc., mm-hmm. and their consort. They always have a consort. It's always uh, the couple. It's it's mm-hmm. a tradition that. Empowers the coupling of uh, consciousness and its properties, its energies.
0: You you see in the tantric temples many statues and images of the male and female deities together, uh, making love. Right, right, and experience a sort of a supreme ecstasy at the same time—very physical and very spiritual. Spiritual, right. Mm So it's the idea is that the
1: union of these two actually makes for a divine. Life on Earth. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the the new idea: the idea that it's not just escape into the sky or just uh, delving into the earth and its powers, mm-hmm. but by using the liberation that one gets in the, in the higher f- as, as spheres mm-hmm. to reconditioning uh, nature so that it, it expresses these creative divine energies.
0: Mm-hmm. And you've used the word paranormal. Yeah, several times. And I think it's probably fair to say that there's almost never in the Sanskrit tradition, particularly the pre-modern yes. Sanskrit traditions, ever any question yeah. uh, regarding the existence and potentials of uh, paranormal ability. Yes, no. That there isn't. There isn't any question. I mean,
1: a number of that, that's a very important point. I think you make, Jeffrey. Uh, I'd like to extend that also by saying there is hardly ever que- any question about whether God exists. Mm-hmm. So this entire concern about atheism and theism, it's really a kind of a made-up concern. Uh, over here, the tradition is one in which people experience God or don't experience God. Mm-hmm. That's much more the question, not whether God exists or not, which is really a kind of a hypothetical question, a yeah. speculative question. Mm-hmm. Here it's a question of whether that experience has been had. Or not been had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think similarly over here, paranormal powers, either you experience them or you are on the way to experiencing them. Mm-hmm. Never a question whether
0: they exist or not. But in many spiritual traditions, yeah. including um, some forms of yoga, I, I'm sure maybe because they've been influenced by British uh, Victorian culture, I don't know, right. Uh there is this notion that uh, paranormal abilities are a distraction, right. something to be avoided. They right. might help reinforce the ego. Yeah. Uh, they're going to prevent one from yeah. achieving enlightenment. But yeah. the Tatric tradition yeah. is a little different than that, is it
1: not? Yes, you're very right there, again, Jeffrey, because I think there is a... a it's not only due to Victorian uh, sort of uh, morality But I think there is a somewhat legitimate concern that some yogis have felt uh, because it's true that one might get stuck in exploring paranormal powers Mm -hmm. and not achieve the higher states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So they've warned against uh, getting stuck there. Mm -hmm. They've said uh, evade them or avoid them, etc., but the Tantric tradition has always believed in assimilating and incorporating, in becoming uh, fully what one one's potential is mm-hmm. and uh, traveling up the scale of consciousness and experiencing the whole of the ladder of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Indian teacher Sri Aurobindo yes, was of the opinion that we use power whether we like it or not. Everybody is using some mm-hmm. kind of power. Mm-hmm. We are using secular power. A person is given a certain office. That person uses the power of that office. Mm-hmm. So if we have latent powers within us, we should use them to the best of our ability. I mean, we should use it for good. And our understanding of what is good can change depending on our state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we should raise our state of consciousness, rather than, uh, you know, put a
0: taboo on the use of uh, of these mm-hmm. powers. But well, would it be fair to say that in the uh, Indian Sanskrit spiritual traditions there are, in effect, two distinct uh, threads? Mm-hmm. One being that a liberation is achieved by uh, escaping the uh, bonds of conditioning. Mm-hmm. And the other, that liberation is achieved by gaining power over the world of conditioning.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I think uh, there are two traditions that develop over time. And sometimes they are loosely uh, equated to the Vedantic and the Tantric traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vedantic tradition, uh, particularly post-Shankara, has uh, tended towards uh, empowering the escape from uh, material pursuits.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the Tantric tradition is has been concerned with uh, enjoyment and the enhancement mm-hmm. of power uh-huh. uh, in the material world. Mm-hmm. I think there are three major goals in Tantra. One is power, one is enjoyment, and the third is immortality, mm-hmm. physical immortality. Mm-hmm. So these uh, things are also seen as not very legitimate in the traditional Vedantic tradition. Yeah. But
0: over time, there have been a variety of synthesis of these two as well. You might view it as one tradition saying liberation is achieved by letting go of all desires. Right. And the other is liberation is achieved by fulfilling all desires. Right,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: And then you, you have some schools, like in Sri
1: Aurobindo's teaching, mm-hmm. he's saying that the, the true condition for full enjoyment and for the perfect manifestation of one's powers, is true liberation. Mm -hmm. If you're liberated, then uh, you use it as the divine wants you to use it. Mm -hmm. You can creatively use it according to a higher consciousness. So there have been synthesis of of these kinds. And that's what
0: would be called the integral Approach, approach, yes. And uh, for viewers who are interested in this part of our conversation, they should Mm -hmm. check their listings because eventually we will be releasing a three-part series on Integral Yoga and uh, the philosophy of Sri Aurobindo. Mm -hmm. But for now, uh, we're talking about the language of the gods, about Sanskrit and Mm -hmm. and Tantra, right? And this uh, a very elaborate system of uh, chakras and another term you use we didn't define for our viewers was nadis right nadi's
1: uh, means channels mm-hmm. and these are subtle channels just like uh, the central uh, column uh, that i spoke about which runs between the kundalini and the thousand petaled chakra above the head, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the spinal uh, channel. It's actually a subtle, it's not It's not really the spinal column, yeah. but it is um, contiguous with the spinal column in the subtle body. Mm-hmm. And it's a channel and it's called the shushumna. Mm-hmm. So similarly, there are radiating channels uh, that pervade our entire anatomy, mm-hmm. and these channels are channels through which energy is flowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, subtle energy is flowing. Now
0: that's an interesting. There's a naughty subtle. That's an yes. English word, not yes. a Sanskrit yes. Absolutely, word. But yeah. is isn't it true that in the Sanskrit tradition, there there are more than one subtle body? yes 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 so the subtle uh, the subtle word there is a, um, it's
1: a literal translation for the word sukshma mm-hmm. sukshma is what's being translated as subtle so sukshma is a gradation sukshma it means subtle because the material body itself according to this yogic sanskritic tradition is um, a kind of a really dense matter yeah. and it, there are various degrees of uh, uh, rare, rarefied matter mm-hmm. uh, within the, our physical body itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, th- they constitute what one might might call a subtle material body. Uh-huh. Subtle material body. Sukshma Deha they call it. Mm-hmm. And then within that, there are other kinds of bodies. With, I, I talked about physical and then the life uh, energies yes. connected with three chakras, mind energies. So, there is a mind body mm-hmm. and a life body which mm-hmm. is called the Pranamaya Sharira and the Manomaya Sharira. Mm-hmm. Or the the vital, if we, you know, that it's interesting that that term also is related to medieval Western understandings of uh, life energy, vit- mm-hmm. the vital, which again enters into modern philosophy to some extent with Ari mm-hmm. Bergson's mm-hmm. vitalism. Yes. And then people like Gilles Deleuze are re- returning to this idea of the vital Mm-hmm. as a different modality of consciousness.
0: Bergson right? as uh, a very important uh, philosopher of the uh, early 20th, 20th century. century, late 19th century yes, you know, yes incidentally was very interested in parapsychological research absolutely yes i believe was even a president of the society for psychical research interesting so yeah. his his philosophy is very important and there is a renewed interest yes, in yes, it now yes, but these bodies would it be fair to say that as there are seven chakras we yeah. we have seven different vital bodies yeah
1: so there's a material body there is a vital body That relates to three chakras, and there's a mental body that relates to three chakras, but Mm -hmm. then there are other bodies. Uh So they talk about a causal body, which is like a super mind, Mm -hmm. it's an infinite intelligence rather than an intelligence tied to finite things. Mm -hmm. Then there is a bliss body, Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a body of pure consciousness, and there is a body of pure being. So, these are the seven. Um, In the Sanskrit, it's interesting, in the Upanishadic tradition, they say that only five of these are actually available to us, Mm. uh, even to yogis. Mm -hmm. And the last two are attained uh, only in very supremely uh, advanced states, Mm -hmm. where one has uh, stabilized these
0: five bodies Mm -hmm. in one's waking life. Then you can do it. In other words, the Sanskrit traditions are pointing toward the future evolution of a human being beyond uh, that which is even known today. Very
1: true. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely right, uh, Jeffrey. That's exactly what it is. It's a future evolution of the human being, uh, taking what we have, but opening up the possibilities that lie hidden, and finally forming the
0: basis of an even further advance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's very exciting to me, yes. and uh, I should think our viewers would find it very exciting as as well to think that there's such an ancient language that uh, has, has mapped out in great detail, one could say, a roadmap into a future uh, well beyond anything we've yet experienced. I
1: completely agree. And it's available to us. And that's one of the very interesting things about the Sanskritic tradition. We may say that there have been ancient traditions mm-hmm. uh, all over the world that had some kind of notion of this occult body and uh, its possibilities. Yes. But um, in the Sanskritic tradition, we see a kind of continuity in practice so that people, the, the discursive tradition... Just like we have a very large literature of Western philosophy, Mm -hmm. there is a very large and complex continuing literature in Sanskrit philosophy written by people who are actually having these experiences Mm -hmm. and thinking, introspecting about them. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's it's a tradition that we can draw on today uh, were we to take the trouble of delving
0: into mm-hmm. it. And one might even think of it as a form of science although different than a our, our conventional from Western other. empirical yes. science. Yes. It might be based on what William James once called radical empiricism.
1: Absolutely, I agree. William James also pointed to uh, the the introspective method in science. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what it lends itself to. The Sanskritic tradition is something that is inviting us, even today, to experiment with these ideas. And introspect and be scientific about our discoveries. Mm -hmm. I think that is the invitation of this tradition. Well,
0: Devashish Banerjee, thank you so much for sharing these three interviews on the language of the gods. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you.